friends, it's me, Diana, your host of The Diana Show. Um, If you're tuning in today, I'm going to be talking about pressure, pressure on thyself, pressure to figure out your career, pressure if you are a college kid trying to figure out your life, pressure, pressure, pressure. And I think there is, as I've observed, I'm 51, I still don't have my entire life figured out. I still feel lost sometimes. I still have imposter syndrome. I feel still feel a lot of fear about doing new things. I mean, launching this podcast cast totally freaked me out. And every time I have someone reach out about it and they're like, hey, episode blah, blah, blah really helped me. I'm just completely shocked still um, and, and happy. It keeps me going. But raising five humans and then also Thomas has raised eight. I think I've told you guys that. So he was with a woman, Erlen's mom, before me, and she had three children. Um, So he had three stepchildren before our five. I know our situation sounds crazy, but anyway, those kids are all adults, and we've watched them trying to figure their lives out, trying to figure out, you know, is this going to be my career, and it's not as fulfilling as I thought, or I thought I was going to transfer this school, and my such and such didn't correlate or whatever. So life is a lot to figure out. And I want to talk today about real life pressure realities and the fact that um, as humans, I think sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves or our children to have it all figured out. And the reality is a lot of us don't. A lot of us chase down things that think we think are going to be like, oh yeah, once I do that, then I'm going to be happy. And sometimes you get to that place and you're like, wow, I'm completely not happy. This is not what I want to do. And I think that that's okay. And normalizing that, discussing that, bringing that, you know, dark thing that sometimes some of us hide to reality and understanding that it's more common than we sometimes, we sometimes admit a lot of people go through that. And I think it's way better in my opinion to take your time, figure it out, or just be honest and say, look, um, this isn't making me happy. I have to pivot Um, rather than putting pressure on yourself to stay in something that is not for you. And this has happened to me so many times over the years. There's been so many things that I've chased down, you know, put my parents' money into, uh, put time, investment. There's so many different things I did over the years um, that just didn't pan out. Um, Great example. I, I was in JC and I got the opportunity to be a to be an intern at KCRA Channel 3, which is a big Sacramento station. And I was super excited. And, you know, I was like, "Hmm, maybe I want to be a talking head. And the internship program kind of sucked. They sort of stuck you in this box and wanted you to be an editor. And I was more like a behind the camera kind of a girl. So the internship itself wasn't great. But I really, like, all of a sudden here I am commuting to Sacramento, which was an hour and a half away, every weekend, both days. And it just kind of was not what I thought it was going to be, but I felt embarrassed to admit that, you know? And so I kept doing it for a long time and it wasn't making me happy and it wasn't going to lead anywhere because I wasn't putting my all into it. I wasn't like the all-star, like who was really putting a lot of effort into it. And I eventually kind of dropped out of it, but I wasted a lot of time not admitting my truth, not admitting how I felt. Cause you know, my parents were at, at the very least, they were footing the bill, the gas bill for me to drive to Sacramento twice every weekend. And I could have been a lot honest months earlier and told them, you know, this, this is not for me. Um, <clears throat> as my career, my careers um, in life progressed, I, 
I came to places in my career where uh, real estate is a great example. So I did hair owned salons for 25 years. And then after my divorce, decided to pivot and do something new. And I thought, well, real estate, you know, I love interior design. I love houses. I love my community. I know my community really well. I'm a huge cheerleader for Huntington Beach. And I'm great at, like, I'm not a high pressurized salesperson. I never was in the hair industry, but I was always great at like showing off the upsides to things and helping people kind of work through whether this hair was for them or this product was for them. And I thought it would translate to houses and it did. And I did great. And uh, and real estate, guys, um, you can, like, I remember one time I sold this house sort of out of nowhere and I was like, oh my God, I just made like 30 grand. It's crazy the chunks of money that you can make. And I can only imagine the career that you can have. And I know a lot of my friends are doing really well in real estate. The problem was for me is I became... I had uh, blended families with Thomas, so we had four kids together, and then we became pregnant, and she was a surprise, our Lincoln girl, and I was pregnant, gave birth to, was nursing a fifth kid, and here's Thomas working all week, and then coming and putting out my signs, you know, on Friday and Saturday and Sunday mornings for me, and then watching the kids all weekend. It just didn't work for our family, and I was disappointed because I really wanted this next step in my career, but when I stopped to think about it, I'm like, okay, well, he's really the one who is able to pay the bills. And maybe I should just take a step back for the first time since I was about 14 years old and not work and just stay at home and work. And I did, and I have been ever since. But that was a hard pill to swallow because I've always been a worker. I've always been a financial contributor. I've always been someone who had a career, a purpose, something going on. So that has been a big pivot and change for me. So admitting that real estate, although although it was a great career, I loved the team that I worked on. Um, I loved most aspects of it. I just, it just wasn't a fit for where my life was at that point, being sort of like the matriarch of a family of seven. Like I was really needed at home. Well, fast forward five, six years later now, Lincoln's now in school and I'm still trying to figure out what is that next iteration. Every time I think about real estate, sounds like fun, but then I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to be gone all weekend. I want to go to Lincoln soccer games. I want to volunteer with the girls. I want to be here on the weekends to cook meat sauce and spaghetti and and hang out with my kids and go to her kindergarten birthday party. So it's just not a fit. But there is this piece of me that it feels purposeless. I don't know if that's the right word or not. But like I know I have a purpose leading my teens my T-E-E-N-S, my kiddos, um, I really do 100% believe that your big kids probably need you more than your little kids did. It's a really, really challenging thing to transition from being 13, 14, 15, all those changes in your body, your hormones, uh, your sexuality, all that kind of stuff that you're coming into. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, you know, like all of a sudden I see my junior and senior daughters that are, you know, even my sophomore daughter, everyone's like, what are you doing next? What do you want to be? And they're like, I don't know. So it's a really high pressurized time of life just because that's the way our society runs things. And I think being around as a mom right now is an important, important job. So after I got done with my internship in Sacramento and I finally admitted that it wasn't really making me happy and I wasn't really trying that hard, therefore I wasn't really going to advance in that area at that time, um, I 
I stopped working for, or I stopped school for a little while. I stopped JC and I went to work. I just went to work. And I was always good at working. Like, I got a daytime job at Pier 1. I got a nighttime job at a restaurant. I made enough to pay my bills. I lived on my own. I didn't have to have the pressure of feeling like I was being asked all the time, what's your next step? What's your next step? Because I really didn't know. So I just stopped and I worked. But during that time, that was the, oh, I'm making this episode because I'm hoping that my kiddos that are this age are going to listen to it. During that time was one of my big learning lessons. I made shit up and lied a lot during that time. I was irresponsible. I was late to work. I would not show up for shifts and then make up a big story about it to try and keep my job. And I was constantly putting out fires, which was causing me massive amounts of stress, like physical stress on my shoulders about the fact that I was going to lose my jobs. If I lost my job, I couldn't pay my rent. If I couldn't pay my rent, I was going to have to move back in with my mom and dad. And adulting was very hard for me from 18 to now. No, just kidding. 18 to you know, probably when I first opened my first salon when I was 27, I finally had gotten the hang of like being an adult, but I struggled during those years. And I had this moment, and I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but basically I had been given a warning by this sweet man who was the manager. He seemed like such an old man, but he was probably all of 30. He was the manager of the Pier One. And I think he was giving me a lot of leeway because he thought I was cute. I got the vibe that he thought he was cute. And I thought he was a dirty old man, even though he's only 30 and I was like 22. And he said, look, you have been late several times and I've actually already written you up for it twice. You have to be on time. I can't let you get away with this because the other employees are seeing it and they think I'm playing favorites. And so if you are late again, I'm going to have to let you go. And I was like, okay, okay. So of course... I went to my restaurant job that night and instead of going home at like 11 and getting to sleep, I went out and did shots with friends. And then when I'm supposed to wake up to open the pier one, I slept through my alarm. And what I woke up to was Mark's voice on the record, the answer machine saying, Hey Diana, if you get this message, don't come in, you're fired. And so I got up, I, you know, did some mouthwash, got in my car, jammed down the highway, formulating a plan because I couldn't lose this job, right? Get down the highway, park my car on an off-ramp, pretend it has a flat tire, run down the off-ramp across the street to where the Pier 1 is, you know, 45 minutes late to my job, sweating, walk in. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry I had a flat tire. Made up a whole lie for this whole story when I could have just much easier to do, go home, don't do shots, go home, go to bed and wake up on time for your job. Well, this guy was so sweet. And this is when I learned the lesson. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I thought you were late again because you've been late in the past. I'll help you. I'll help you after work, go get your, your tire fixed. So I tell him, no, I already called my dad. He's going to come. It's okay. Which was completely a lie. And there weren't cell phones then. So it was like, what, did I stop at a payphone and tell my dad? So it was just this whole lie upon a lie upon a lie. And while I was working that shift in a, you know, I was kind of sweaty and wet and no mate, like I wasn't ready. I felt unprepared and I just felt gross that I had told this sweet guy another big fat lie about why I was late. It was one of my biggest learnings. I was just like, just be true to yourself. Just show up. Just get prepared 
for what's coming up next. Stop running around last minute trying to put out fires and disappointing everybody and disappointing yourself. It's just making you feel gross about yourself and you're selling your soul for what? So that was one of my biggest learnings during that time. And I, I, I mean, I probably learned more from that experience than I would have for going to school for 40, 40 grand, you know, in a year. It just is one of those things where I needed that life experience to understand like there is a cause and effect. If you go out, you do shots, you sleep through your alarm, you show up late, it's screwing up his whole, you know, he doesn't have his opener there. It's screwing up his, there's a cause and effect. And I was affecting other people and my actions were having a negative effect on my coworkers and that wasn't fair. And it was time for me to grow up, wake up, etc. I don't think after that situation, I ended up working there for very much longer. I think I approached my parents and said, I think I'm going ready to go back to four-year and I'm ready to transfer to Long Beach. Um, so I, I moved from Northern California to Southern California, started four-year school. I felt like I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do, but I would go from like my general degree, a liberal arts degree, and just get in there and try. Well, my parents spent the money. They spent the money on rent. I got down to college. I went for about a year going for my teaching credential and realized probably six months before I was honest with my parents about it, there's no way I wanted to be a school-age teacher. And I felt that same sinking feeling again. I felt completely lost. I felt like I was wasting their money, but I didn't know how to be honest and tell the truth. And so I held it in. I kept it to myself. I lied. I pretended I was going to classes when I wasn't. And I felt a lot like a caged squirrel with wide eyes, like running back and forth, trying to figure it out. And just so much anxiety and pressure. And I was not enjoying my days at all. I did not enjoy that college experience at all. I felt like I was a huge disappointment. I felt like I was a loser. I was never going to figure it out. And I had all this pressure that I had put on myself in society, you know, society just naturally asks kids, oh, you're 18. What are your next steps? Or like, are you going to go to a trade school? Are you going to go to a four-year? I just didn't know. I didn't know. And I kept trying things, but I would get into these programs and realize, eh, not for me. And I didn't give myself permission to say, oh, I did try this and it wasn't for me. I did try that. It wasn't for me. It doesn't make me a loser. It makes me someone who was actually being brave enough and vulnerable enough to try and fail at something. And I was learning along the way, but I just didn't see it that way. I think summer must have come and I wasn't supposed to be in school for those two months anyway. And so I spent the evenings working in a restaurant and then I would cocktail until late in the night and then I would sleep in and lay out by the pool and just sit there and kind of stare at the clouds. Sometimes I would surf and I was dating a little bit. I had some friends. I would go out. I was social. I wasn't really in a depression, but I just something something about that summertime with no school, no excuses to make. You know, my parents lived up north, so they'd call me like, how's school going? Well, I didn't have to answer that question in the summer because I wasn't quote unquote in school, right? I don't know if I would have had the words to put it into um, a specific, you know, self-helpy paragraph at that time. But what I was coming into basically was that it was okay for me to own my truth. It was okay for me to admit that I tried something and I didn't love it. Or I tried something and I loved it. I loved doing hair. But I was afraid to say that because in the town that I came from, there weren't very many examples of people who had really big successful careers where you could pay your bills doing hair. Doing hair was kind of like a side thing and it had 
it had kind of like worn a lot of the people I knew out. And so it wasn't looked at something that was revered. But in Southern California, I was seeing some examples of people that were. And I got to the point where I was like, it's okay for me to admit that I'd like to be in that industry. I think that's kind of like a rock and roll industry. And I'm excited about doing hair. So getting okay with admitting my truth. um, I didn't like school. Uh, I'm not sure if I would like beauty school, but would I be brave enough to go and try try another thing and possibly at work and possibly at not work? So getting like really into being comfortable in my own truth was a big deal to me. And I got to the point where I kind of didn't feel like I needed to, to succumb to pressure anymore. Like I don't have to have all the answers. Um, I don't have to know all the next steps. What salon are you going to work at? How long, you know, like all these, there's just so many questions and I kind of got to the point where I was like, it's okay for me to keep my plans to myself. You know, it's okay for me to take my time and decide. Um, It's okay for me to try something and change my mind if I don't like it. It's okay for me to assist in a salon. If I don't like that salon owner, I'll move on. And I got more okay with being more fluid um, as a person because I was coming to understand that I deserved a career that I loved. And that translated to so many other things over my life. I deserve a relationship I love. I deserve to live where I love. I deserve to enjoy my life. And of course, you know, I do understand now that there will be boring, funky, hard, frustrating days. But overall, I deserve to chase joy. And that came, that realization for me really came during those formative years from 17-ish to like 26 when I was really figuring out who I wanted to be. And the way that I figured it out was not clean or in a four-year time frame. It was a messy mess. It was dipping my toe in here, wasting money there, lying to people here and there, and just trying to figure out who I really was. But the thing that I kept doing, and this is what I would encourage, I want to encourage my children to do, is don't get frustrated and hide out on your room and your phone. I didn't have a phone to hang out on, but I could have hung out, you know, getting stoned or whatever. Don't do that. Keep trying, keep pursuing, keep looking, keep thinking, keep giving yourself space. Don't give up. Don't go into a cave and don't give up and go into like an office job that you hate. Don't keep doing something that you hate. Formulate a plan for joy. Formulate a plan for your next step. You don't have to do something that you don't like. There's a million different ways out there to make a living now. And it is so exciting. All the different, you know, be a YouTuber, you know, that there's so many, like, you could do everything from, you know, be a chef for Disney and go travel with them. I've seen programs to, for that, to working for the airlines. You could do a, so many different things. Um, but I think that in some ways we can succumb to pressure and, you know, what will my family think, et cetera, et cetera. I think bottom line, a supportive family should want their kids to define success for themselves. And, you know, sure, you know, it's nice to make a lot of money and sure it's nice to have control of your schedule. There's a lot of things that are important to me, but everybody's different. And I think we need to support our children and support ourselves, show an example of supporting ourselves Um, where we're chasing down joy as well.